0: This is our last week uh, looking at the book of Hebrews. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this series. This is one of uh, one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Hebrews, just being able to uh, walk through this. I know it's only been seven weeks, really. I mean, if we, if we honestly did this book justice, y'all, it would be a year-long series of just walking through this, this book, um, just little section by little section, seeing all the things that are unpacked before us in this Uh, In the sermon, this is what Hebrews is. It is a sermon written by, we're not really sure anymore who exactly wrote this, maybe the Apostle Paul or or some others that we we can kind of guess at. Um, My best guess is the Apostle Paul, but written by someone who was a follower of Jesus, who had a great understanding of the the Hebrew, Jewish, Israelite culture in the Old Testament and was able to kind of show the Jews this connection between Old Testament and New Testament. If you want to have a better understanding of the entire Bible, the book of Hebrews is a great place place to start um the book of hebrews and the book of romans both in the in the new testament are kind of uh sort of a gentile perspective and a jewish perspective of what it means that jesus is the savior of all people right for all time and and the book of hebrews just does such a good job of breaking that down for us letting us see what the old testament really was all about letting us see the gospel in the old testament you guys know the gospels in the old testament it is it's throughout Scripture and the entire Scripture, they point us again and again and again to Jesus. And so we've been walking through this series on the book of Hebrews just called Jesus Is. Just looking at what does this author of Hebrews explain to us about who Jesus is. And so really these last uh, three weeks, starting a couple of weeks ago as we got into chapter 10 and then last week and then t- today, um, what we're seeing is this this. this preacher as he writes this sermon kind of turning us towards some application of if Jesus is all these things. He's talked about him being God. Jesus is our God. Jesus is our our sacrifice. He's our priest. He's our hope. He's our confidence. All these things. If Jesus really is all these things, then how do we live our lives, right? How do I actually go then and do and be the person that God's called me to be and do the things that he's called me to do? Because listen, y'all, theology is fantastic. I love theology. I love doctrine. I love learning things about the Bible and the deep truths. that mean, you can spend your life learning the amazingly deep, rich truths in the ocean of God's word. You can spend your life doing that. But listen, if all you do with that doctrine is know it, then you've missed the point of it. If you're not doing it, if you're not living it, if it doesn't, if your theology does not change your life, then you don't know the Bible. I don't care if you memorize the entire book of Hebrews. You don't know Hebrews if you don't live Hebrews, right? This is, this is the truth for us that we have to understand. And so the author of Hebrews, he, he's kind of getting to this point now where he's just going, okay, now, if you know all this, you know who Jesus is, then live your life this way, okay? And I want to read you guys Hebrews 12, 14. It's kind of our, our key verse for today. Here's what it says. It says, make every effort to live in peace with all men, and to be holy, to be holy, uh, the other word is sanctification, pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Make every effort to be holier, to pursue sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. And so kind of the, the, the thing that I want you walking out of here today, knowing the, the truth that this scripture is going to bring out for us today is just simply this without holiness, no one will see the Lord. No one will see Jesus without a pursuit of holiness in our lives. Now, you can kind of debate what exactly that verse means. Does he mean uh, the, the other people in this world won't get to see Jesus if we don't live our lives in holiness? Then yes, I think that's what it means. Does it mean we ourselves won't get to see Jesus if we don't pursue holiness? Yes, that's what it means. Does he mean we ourselves won't get to see Jesus now, kind of in this earthly life? We won't be able to kind of see and perceive and experience him if we're not pursuing holiness? Yes, that's what it means. Does he mean we won't get to see Jesus then? In, in, In eternity, we won't get to come in and enter into his presence forever if we don't pursue holiness in this life? Yes, all of these things are what this means. He means what he says and he says what he means without holiness, without a pursuit of holiness, sanctification. The word is hagiasmos in Greek. It just simply means uh, uh, to be made holy, a, a progressive sanctification. Uh, little, little, again, theology, real quick here. Which comes first, justification or sanctification? Which comes first? Justification. I heard y'all say it. that's great. Justification comes first. Justification is a moment. When you and I believe in Jesus Christ, put our faith in him for salvation. That is justified. You are saved in Jesus, right? This is the kind of language that we use. I'm saved. I am justified before him. And then if that is true of you for the rest of your life, however long that is, God will then be sanctifying you into the image of his son, Jesus, making you holy. And if that is not true of you, if, if it is not true of you that you are being sanctified, being made holy, then you should have no confidence that it's true of you that you are justified. You, you following? This is the way the New Testament speaks to us. Over and over and over again. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. There's that language again, right? You want to see God? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are holy, pure right? Pursuing the Lord and the sanctification that he gives to us. First John says this in chapter three, he talks about us being made into the the children, the sons and daughters of God. And that gives us great hope. And he says, all of us will, we will see him one day because we will be like he is as we're being made holy in his image. And then he ends that little section by saying, now everyone who has this hope of seeing Jesus, he says, purifies himself as Jesus is pure. What is that talking about? Sanctification, being made holy. Guys, what do you think heaven is going to be like? It's going to be a place without sin of pure and perfect, eternal holiness. And so if your life now in Christ is not a pursuit of holiness, guess what? You won't enjoy heaven. And, and, and so you won't enter in. If you have no taste For Christ likeness. You could put that word on there too. Sanctification, holiness, Christ likeness. If you have no taste for that now. Man. You'll have no taste for heaven. And only those. Who have been made holy. Will even enter in. On that final day. We kind of talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to walk really quickly. Through six things. Okay, Six things that the pursuit of holiness means for us. What does that actually mean? What does that look like in our lives? The pursuit of holiness. He says, pursue holiness, pursue sanctification, without which no one will see the Lord. Right? So, so what does that actually practically look like? I'm going to kind of walk through these things, hopefully, really quickly. And then we're just going to kind of get to the end. And I'm going to give a couple examples of, just from Scripture, uh, what this looks like. So six things. Um, six parts to the pursuit of holiness. Number one is this. Faith faith, okay? Um, this is where this starts. And by the way, I'm not taking these in order of chapter 12 and 13 in like the order they show up. I'm taking these in the order of really the, the, the foundations to the fruitions, okay? We're going from root to fruit here this morning. That's what we're doing. So we start with faith. We talked all through Hebrews about this, that the very beginning of us being made holy is what? To come to Jesus in faith. Listen, if you are not a Christian, If you have not put your faith in Jesus, you have not confessed that he is Lord and Savior of your life. You have not been baptized in his name. This is where you begin. The rest of this sermon is not yet for you. Listen, listen, I hope you listen, I hope you take notes. But right now, today, what I hope you hear, if you're not in Christ, is that you have an opportunity to come and be made holy by the blood of Jesus that has been spilled for your sins. Been given for you on the cross. We come to Him in faith. It's what He says uh, throughout the Book of Hebrews. Um, Hebrews twelve twenty four. It says this, and this is part of what uh, Jordan read a minute ago. He says, we have come, and he's talking about Jesus, he says, we have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. A man throughout Hebrews, he has talked about the blood over and over again, about priests offering sacrifices of blood, and the sacrifices themselves, blood and blood of goats and bulls that can't take away sins, but now Jesus' blood has taken away sins, he's referenced uh, Moses in the book of Exodus coming and sprinkling the people, like the entire congregation of Israel, with the blood of animals, right? And now he's saying, look, now Jesus has died. And so his blood, we have been sprinkled with his blood, like spiritually sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. That's why we take communion every single week. It is about simply us remembering and taking part in and having faith in the blood of Christ for us, that we have been made clean. We have been made holy by the blood of Christ. He says that this blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Y'all know the story of Cain and Abel. um, Genesis chapter 4. Cain kills his brother Abel, um, and then God kind of comes, and he's talking to Cain, and he says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground, speaking a word, right? Like the blood of Cain, or the blood of Abel was speaking a word to God. What was that word? It was vengeance. It was retribution for what you have done, right? That was the blood of Abel, and he says, Jesus' blood speaks a better word. What does the blood of Jesus speak? Not vengeance, forgiveness, grace. This is the word. This is the better word that we have received in Christ, right? Again, he's just connecting all these illustrations for us from Old Testament uh, to New Testament. And then here's chapter 13. He says, verse 12, I'm going to read verse 12. He says, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy. To make the people holy through what? His own blood. Jesus suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Again, this is referenced back to the Old Testament. Where in in Leviticus 16, we see this picture of the priest. And he would, um, on, on the day of atonement, he would have to offer sacrifice for his own sins first. The priest would offer sacrifice for his sins. He would take a bull and he would sacrifice that bull. And then the priest would take two goats. Two goats. And you know what he would do with these goats? One goat would be sacrificed. One goat would be killed. And the other goat, he would place his hand on the goat's forehead... And he would confer or impute, this is the word impute, It's kind of a biblical word. This is imputation. He would impute the sins of the people onto this goat, right? This is called the scapegoat. This is where we get our term scapegoat, right? So he would take one goat and that goat would be slaughtered. He would take this goat. He would put his hand on his forehead and give him all the sins of the people. And God would put the guilt of the sins of the people on this goat. And then he would send that goat. They would take that goat outside the camp into the wilderness, just to kind of let it go and and live or die on its own, right? And so who is Jesus? He is both of these goats, right? He's the sacrificial one, and he's the scapegoat. We talked about this two weeks ago. Was Jesus guilty of sin when he died? Yes, yours and mine. Just like that goat was guilty of the sins of the people. This is Jesus. Notice, where did Jesus die? Inside the city or outside? Outside. He's taking these Old Testament concepts, realities for us and making us understand helping us see this is jesus it was always about jesus for us right and so y'all we come to faith in him to be made holy by him so that's our first step that's number one faith number two is worship number two is worship What, what does the pursuit of our holiness look like we start with faith and then we we worship jesus if there's no worship in our lives, then we are not being sanctified. We're not being made holy. We're not being made like Christ. He says this in 1315. He says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. A sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Listen, if you are in Christ, your heart has been changed. You've been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus, been made holy in his name, and now you are being made holy, sanctified in Christ, so that your heart is changed to love him and see him as he is, and to worship him more and more and more. Listen, if you have no desire in your heart to praise Jesus, you don't know Jesus. He's worthy of our praise. we just saying that. You're worthy of everything we can bring to you. So listen, if, if, if it is a labor, if it is a burden to you, in your life, to think about worshiping and praising Jesus. Guess what? Again, heaven, not gonna be fun for you. Read Revelation. That's pretty much what we do for eternity. Worship. So, worship is a pursuit of our holiness, our sanctification. Number three, we listen to his voice. This is obedience. The third thing is obedience. Uh, chapter 12, verse 25. It says this, and we've talked about this all through, all through Hebrews, just obeying Jesus. He says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them from earth, he's talking about Moses, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? He's talking about Moses versus Jesus. Again, these are the Hebrew people. Moses is their greatest leader in the history of, of Israel, right? And so when he is saying, man, if you didn't listen to Moses... Like, look what happened to the people who did not listen, who did not follow the words of Moses. Moses was just a man. When we're talking about following Jesus. We're talking about obeying Jesus, living our lives in obedience to him. And throughout this book, he has just constantly reminded us today, do not harden your heart. If you hear Jesus calling to you, if you see him in the words of this sermon, if you see him speaking to you, hear him speaking to you, see his face in his glory, you know who Jesus is. Do not refuse to obey Christ. Obedience is part of our sanctification. Y'all, this is not legalism. It's not that we somehow work it out in our minds that because I obey Jesus, he has now made me worthy of salvation. The point is because he's saved me, I want to obey him. This is the fruit of it. This is the fruit of our faith. This is the pursuit of that holiness. Holiness. And if you have no desire in your life right now to obey Christ, you are not saved. You are not pursuing that holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Obey Jesus. Number four, repentance. Repent continually. This is 12, uh, 15 through 17. Here's what he says. He says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau for who a single meal sold his inheritance rights rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected he could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. He's referencing back to the story of Jacob and Esau. Esau sells his birthright for a bowl of stew. Y'all know that story? And then when he wants his birthright, it says he, he weeps over it. He cries over what he had done. But, but the author of Hebrews is kind of bringing this point about that Esau had no repentance, he didn't actually repent. He was sad because he missed out on something. He wasn't sad because he had rejected the, the the plan and the purpose as the firstborn son and he's just using that as an illustration for us to say look you can be sad about sin all you want to you can have days where you get caught in your sin and you can have days where the, you know something bad happens in your life as a result of your sin that makes you feel guilty or makes you feel ashamed but without actual repentance a change of heart and a change of mind to pursue Jesus and to say Jesus is better than my sin he's saying listen without that actual repentance All the bad feelings in the world mean nothing. All the tears in the world mean nothing. Guys, I'm a youth pastor. I have been to camp after camp after camp after conference in my life and seen the tears that stream down people's faces through just a conviction of sin. And I have seen in the following weeks absolutely no change of life. I know what this looks like. I've done it myself and so have you probably, right? Like we've lived this way where we feel bad about something and yet there's no actual repentance, no change of heart, change of life that leads us closer to Christ. Without repentance, no one will see the Lord. That's a pursuit of that sanctification, of that holiness. Number five is this, love. Love. He talks about really loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, he says, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, he says, keep on loving each other as brothers. And then he gives several examples of what this looks like. I'm just going to go really quickly through them. He gives several types of these relationships. He talks about strangers. He's probably talking about Christian brothers and sisters who are traveling, who, are, who have maybe been persecuted, who've been kicked out of their hometowns, offering hospitality to them as strangers, just loving them. Those who are suffering, those who are persecuted, to continue to pray for them uh, when possible to serve them. He's already talked about this in Hebrews chapter 10 that they had been visiting each other in prison, they had been helping each other when they were sick. This is brotherly love. The The word is literally Philadelphia. That's the word in Greek. Brotherly love to show this to one another constantly. This is part of our pursuit of holiness, that we love one another. This is evidence of our faith in Jesus, that our brothers and sisters in Christ get our love at any cost to ourselves. Go back and read Hebrews 10. He's talking about you willfully accepted the plundering of your property to go and serve those who were in prison for their faith. That's what these Christians were doing giving up their worldly goods to go and help those who had already been persecuted. This is how we live as Christians. We love one another, right? He talks about husbands and wives, keeping the marriage bed sexually pure. I think that extends to all sexual relationship, right? And he's just kind of making the point that this is part of living in holiness, living in obedience to God. He has designed sex to be between man and woman in marriage and no other way. That is it. And so within those confines, that is holiness, that is pursuing sanctification, and outside of that, we are being disobedient. He talks about um, money, the love of money, as opposed to the love of people, right? The, The implication here is you can't love one another if you're greedy for money. Check your hearts, church, for all of us. What do we love more than Jesus and one another? What kind of love for the things in this world is keeping us from genuinely and truly loving each other? Is it the love of money or the love of material things or the love of praise of men? What, what, what do we love more than that? He talks about pastors and people in verse 17. He talks about the pastors and the people. He does say that the church should look out for their pastors. He says that, but he also says pastors are here to shepherd their people and look out for your souls. So hold me accountable. Hold us accountable to that. But church, as a church, we also provide for those who lead us and shepherd us, right? This is scripture, okay? I don't want to pass over that because I'm a pastor. Um, but he, and he does say that, right? And then he, he kind of ends that with verse 16. He says, do good to all and share with all people. And I, again, I think he's just talking about the, the fellowship of the Christian church to all people. As we have opportunity that we would do good and we would serve one another, y'all. Without love, no one will see the Lord. And then the last thing is this, number six. He says, pursue peace with all men. That's back to uh, chapter 12, verse 14. He says, pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Um, What I really think he's talking about here is witness. Our witness. Pursuing peace with all men. He's not just talking about Christians now. And he is writing in the context of them living in a world where people were persecuting them. Y'all, we're not we're not there yet. I'm sorry, I know some people kind of think we're there. We're, we're not to this level that they were at yet. We're not being thrown in prison. We're not being killed for our faith. We're not being tossed in the Colosseum to be torn apart by wild beasts. Like, we're not to that level yet. I think Christianity is inconvenient for our culture right now. And maybe we'll get there. A uh, uh, full-on persecution. But he's talking to people who are being killed. And he is telling them, live at peace with these people as they seek to murder you or throw you in prison, or kick you out of your homes, or whatever they're going to do to you, you live at peace with them. You live at peace with them. Um, first Peter talks about this. Peter talks a lot about this in his letter, so I want to read you this little passage real quick. Um, if you had a Bible, just flip over a couple pages there, you get to First Peter. First Peter chapter 2. He says this. He says, But you are God's chosen people, To abstain from sinful desires, which war against your soul. Do you hear that pursuit of holiness, right? The pursuit of sanctification. Do not any longer live in the sinful desires, which war against your soul. He says, live such good lives among the pagans. That's just non-Christians. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us, right? That's our witness. That's our witness, right? Hey, can we get the, turn the music off. Um, I'm sorry. I don't know why that came on. Um, But this is our witness, right? This is our witness pursuing the Lord as living in peace with all men. Guys, I I don't know what that kind of looks like for you in your life right now, what kind of people you're living around, whether it's neighbors or family members or coworkers who don't know Jesus. But I'll tell you this, possibly our best way to witness to them is to just live at peace with them, to be kind to them, You're not going to argue or be a jerk towards anyone into the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen. But you might love them into the kingdom of God. You might honor them into the kingdom of God. You might respect them into the kingdom of God. You might forgive them into the kingdom of God. You might... As you live your life, show them mercy and give them love and live at peace with them and let them see that your life is not for this earth. You're not living your life for the things that we get in this world. You're living your life for the kingdom of God and that means that you're gonna love and serve and honor them too, right? That is an opportunity for us just to show people, man, this Jesus, he has actually changed my life because I believe who he is. He has changed how I live. This is the pursuit. For us, it's the pursuit of holiness, the pursuit of sanctification. So those six things, again, real quick, it was faith. Number one, faith. Number two, worship. Number three, obedience. Number four, repentance. Number five, love. And number six, witness. These are all, and I don't think that maybe is the totality of our pursuit of holiness in this world, but I think those are key aspects. And if, as you kind of examine yourself this morning, I hope you're examining yourself By what the scripture is saying here. If you're kind of looking at these things and going, man, I, you know, certainly if you don't have faith in Jesus, again, start there. But you're you're looking and you're going, man, I don't know if I'm really worshiping him with my life. I don't know if my heart rejoices in Christ. I don't know if I feel that affection towards him. I don't know. And maybe there's just some areas where there's no obedience. Where you know there's ways that you're living your life outside of His plan and His purpose for you, outside of what His word says, and you have not submitted that to Him. You have not repented of that. You're not walking in daily. Luke 9 23, what does He say? He says, Take up your cross. You cannot follow me unless you take up your cross daily and follow me. That is day, that's every day. That word daily, y'all, that's a, that's a word of like serious importance. It's also a word of mercy. You messed up yesterday, do it today repent and follow him in obedience, right? Maybe it's just love. Maybe, I don't know if I'm loving my brothers and sisters. I don't know if I'm witnessing to those who don't know, gee, I'm not really doing that. I haven't really got that kind of faith or that kind of boldness. And listen, maybe a lot of us in this room, we have different ones of those six things that we're stronger in than other people. If you're like really strong in witnessing, you just love to do that. You love to share Christ with non-believers. Look, you probably got a brother and sister in this room who's not so strong at that. So help them out. And maybe you're not so strong at loving your Christian brothers and sisters. Maybe you're, you're still walking some, some kind of sin and disobedience or whatever. Like, this is why, at church, we need each other to help one another see these areas in our lives where we can be pursuing holiness, be, be pursuing sanctification, without which no one will see the Lord. So, uh, a couple illustrations of this. And what this might look like um, kind of practically in our lives. So today is Palm Sunday. Um, You guys probably know if you've been around church for a little while. You know the story of Palm Sunday. You know what that means. Um, Jesus at the end of the Gospels in his kind of final week. He rides into Jerusalem sitting on a donkey right? Um, This triumphal entry is what we call it. And uh, as he does this, people are in Jerusalem for the Passover week. They're there. There's probably hundreds of thousands, not millions of people in Jerusalem. Like this place is just packed. It's crowded. And Jesus rides in on this donkey, not on a great horse, not like triumphal like normally kings would do, but just sort of humble and meek and riding in on this donkey. And what are the people doing there? They're taking their their palm fronds, their palm branches, which were called hosannas, um, and they were shouting, Hosanna in, in Hebrew. Hoshiana. They were shouting it. And what that means is, Lord, save us, right? Just kind of this expression of praise, this expression of humility, this expression of joy that the coming king is riding into Jerusalem. Save us, Hoshiana. Five days later. Same people shall crucify. 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 You know what the pursuit of holiness is? It's being the same person on Friday that you were on Sunday. Guys, the scriptures are filled with people who, as Jesus says in Matthew 15, honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Right? That was these people. Hosanna, save us when it's popular and when it's easy, when it's Sunday. And we crucify him by our actions on Friday. And then what about Peter? This disciple of Jesus, his most loyal and devoted follower, it would seem, by his words at least. The night that they're eating dinner together, that Passover meal, and Jesus is talking about his crucifixion, what does Peter say? I'm going with you. I'm going to die with you, Jesus. No matter what comes, if everybody else runs, he says not me. The sun didn't even rise before he had denied three times that he knew Jesus. And he had fled just like everybody else. You know what the pursuit of holiness is? It's walking what you talk. You know what the pursuit of holiness is? It's actually living out the things that you say you believe Living out your confession in Jesus. And so just a word on that as we, as we end. This Peter, the same guy, not, not long after this, after Jesus has died and he's resurrected back to life. He comes and he finds Peter on that beach. You guys know the story in John 21. Peter's trying to go off and be a fisherman again. Peter's so distraught and so discouraged and so ashamed of what he did. And Jesus meets him on that beach, and he makes him a little meal, and he sits down with him, and he asks him three questions. What does he ask him three times? Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? And that's interesting, isn't it? And He asks Peter, not Peter, uh, will you follow me? Not Peter, will you go do good things for me? Not Peter. Uh, how, 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 like, what does your devotion look like today, Peter? Are you going to be a good soldier, Peter? Are you going to do your duty, Peter? Not any of that. What does he ask him? Do you love me, Peter? Why? Because y'all, this is the root of our pursuit of holiness—a love for Jesus, guys. I don't have to preach the sermon. I just preach to you. You guys know, for the most part, what the Bible says about how to live your life, things you should and shouldn't do. Okay. We, we know these things. And when it comes right down to it, maybe we just don't love Jesus if we're not actually pursuing being like him in holiness. Do you love me? So just for a minute here as, as we end up, I want to ask you just to bow your heads with me. Just bow your heads. Let's pray together. I'm going to give you a minute here um, just to pray on your own about maybe any of these six things that I just kind of laid out from from Hebrews. Faith, worship, obedience, repentance, love, witness, any of these ways in which maybe God is calling you this morning to start pursuing the holiness without which you will never see him. If you want to see Jesus, that we must pursue to be sanctified in him holy made holy by the holy spirit living in us so just right now where you're at man just pray to him just confess to him what you need to confess just maybe just tell him that you do love him Father, we thank you that you have cleansed us by the blood of your son. And for those of us in this room who have come to him in faith, we know that we are holy, positionally holy in your sight. We are blameless, perfect, righteous, made clean and pure. But God, we pray that if that is true of us, then that you would lead us in sanctification. Lead us in the pursuit of holiness, to be made holy as we already are. God, let us see in our lives the areas where we are not living our lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where are we not submitted to this process? Are we not witnessing? Are we not sharing our faith with others? Are we not loving our brothers and sisters? Have we not repented of some sin? Are we living in disobedience? Do we not worship you from our hearts and spirit and in truth? Not just in song, but in lifestyle. God, let us see. And I pray that our love for your son, Jesus, would just grow and expound in us so that we would then live that out in holiness. We would give our lives to you, God, because you gave your life for us, Jesus. You loved us first. So let us love you with our words and let us love you with our actions and go and be the people you've called us to be. God, thank you so much for your word in the book of Hebrews, this wonderful letter to us about who Jesus is, helping us to see who he is and so that we can live it out according to your will. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys. Um, Thank you all so much for being here this morning. We really do appreciate it. Again, um, be on the lookout for those uh, Holy Week devotions, okay? Coming out on uh, the website and the app and social media and all that. It's going to be really good to walk through this week together, Holy Week, leading up to Easter Sunday next week. So, y'all come back, bring a friend. Love to see y'all there, all right? Love you, guys. Mm